Our call to worship is from Isaiah 12. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O habitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have come to us in your Son in order to draw us near to you. May you be pleased to receive our worship, and may we in turn delight in your presence today and always. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our first hymn is number 125, Let All Things Now Living. seated. Let us draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us pray our prayer of confession printed in the bulletin. Merciful God, you pardon all who truly repent and turn to you. We humbly confess our sins and ask your mercy. We have not loved you with a pure heart, nor loved neighbors as ourselves. We have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, our God. Have mercy on us, O God, in your loving kindness. Great compassion cleanse us from our sin. 
Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew our right spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of yourself. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our assurance of pardon comes from Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, be assured that it pleases your heavenly Father to relieve you of the burden of your sin. And let us say, praise be to God. Our call to grateful obedience we take from Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. For this is God's will for you in Christ. And let us say, Amen. While it is not printed in the bulletin, we'll turn next to hymn number 485. O thou who hearst when sinners cry, 485.
be seated. Let us pray now for the needs of this congregation, for the church in the world, and for the world itself. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great privilege to come to you with those things that are in our hearts and minds, knowing that you do hear and answer our prayers always. We know our prayers are imperfect and lacking. Our needs run far deeper than what we can even acknowledge, and our words fail in capturing our praise of you. We are a broken people, and yet, by your grace, we have been redeemed by your Son, and by your grace, we have been adopted as your children. How can our hearts not overflow with joy and thanksgiving? You condescend to hear us, and although our prayers may be lacking and our words fail us, we are grateful that Christ continually intercedes for us, far beyond our ability to pray for ourselves. In your mercy, hear our prayers and answer them according to your abundant love and goodness, and help us through your Holy Spirit that our prayers may more fully reflect our praise, our thankfulness, and our consistent need for your sustaining grace. As we begin another new year, we are constantly aware of the evil in this world. There is injustice and unrest, hatred and violence, immorality, greed, envy, division, and lust for power that seem to not dominate the headlines. Godliness is increasingly scorned and ridiculed. Truth is difficult to find. But we serve a great God. Preserve and strengthen our faith, and may your grace flow down like rivers from the mountaintops and fill every valley. Teach us to counter the evil of this world with the fruits of the Spirit. Father, may it please you in your great mercy to assert your kingdom and through your Spirit restrain evil and call all people to Christ. Cause your people to love truth and that which is honorable, to think on that which is pure and lovely and commendable and to pursue excellence. Hear our prayer. We pray that you would guide and direct leaders throughout the world and our leaders in the United States, President Biden, Governor Whitmer, our senators, representatives and judges, law enforcement. We pray that their actions and judgments would be in harmony with your will, that they would humbly promote peace and justice, protect and sustain life, and allow your people everywhere to freely worship you. We pray for peace in this world, in the Middle East, North Korea, Syria, wherever there is war and strife and threats against peace. We pray that your peace would be asserted through Christ. We pray for the church, that it would faithfully proclaim Christ, and that through its ministry your kingdom would be shown to be present in this world. We ask that you would continue to help it to grow and to have the resources it needs. May the work of the Holy Spirit draw all people to Christ and that your people would be built up, strengthened, refreshed, and renewed to do the work of ministry to those in need. We pray for missionaries that seek to share the gospel, that their work would be fruitful, that they would be kept safe, and they would have the care that they need. And we also pray that the church would be protected from heresies and controversies and that it would not be distracted from its work. 
that it would not be ensnared by the world, that it would not compromise, and that it would proclaim Christ, protect it from accommodating to the culture, but would remain that lamp set on a stand that shines forth in the darkness of the world, that it might be that light which draws all people to Christ. May your people be faithful to him as their first love and to care for those in need. Hear our prayer. For this congregation, bring healing and comfort for those who face health concerns. We pray for Jeff, for Fawn, for Becky, for Eduardo, for Frida, for Jamie's mom, Phil, for Dominic, for Angelo's mom, Rosa, for Terry, for Shelley's dad, Tom, for Mark's mom, Gladys, for friends of the Hannums, and for others we now name in silence. Be present in all these situations. Bring your grace and your healing and care and cause your people to grow in their trust and in your care and goodness. We pray for those who give care to those who are in need. Grant them patience and strength and encouragement. Give safe travel to those who are away from us. May May they enjoy their time away and return rested. And in all these things, increase our faith knowing that you do indeed hear our prayers and that you work all things according to your good and perfect purpose. Above all these things, Father, we are so grateful for the perfect love that you have shown for us in Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If the ushers could come forward and collect the offering.
please be seated. As we come now to the reading and the preaching of God's word, let us prepare our hearts and minds to receive this God's word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for your word and your Holy Spirit as it causes it to grow in our hearts and minds and produce fruit, the fruits of the Spirit. We pray, Father, that you would quiet our minds and hearts, that we would receive your word with joy and thanksgiving and grow in our gratitude and joy in Christ. For we do pray this in his name. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verses 11 to 20. Listen now to God's word. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, Then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Our Psalter response comes from Psalm 25, printed in the bulletin. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Let me not be put to shame. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. He leads the humble in what is right. And teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. For your name's sake, O Lord. Pardon my guilt, for it is great. 
Who is the man who fears the Lord? Our epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Once again, God's word. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then finally, our gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 18 to 27. Now it happened that he was, as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised." And he said to them, and he said to all, if any would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord. It's a delight to be here worshiping with you all uh, this morning. My name is J.C. Davison. I'm a licentiate in our presbytery, and I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters at Cedar OPC in Jenison, Michigan. Also greetings from uh, my wife and one-year-old daughter who couldn't be here with us today. Uh, We care for women who are in unplanned pregnancies and have a few women living with us right now that she's uh, staying with caring for this morning. Uh, You can turn in your copy of God's Word to Psalm 25. We read it already. We'll be looking as our text at just verses 4 and 5 this morning. Verses 4 and 5 of Psalm 25. And interestingly, Psalm 25 is uh, an acrostic, meaning different sections of the psalm correspond to different letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so, uh, differently than some other psalms, Psalm 25, uh, it has less of one main theme running through it and is more uh, collected aphorisms or thoughts, almost like the Proverbs. And so Psalm 25 is especially fitting to choose a small text from. Uh, This uh, self-contained thought here, also uh, fitting for the new year. I'll read again God's holy word. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, 
For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Amen. May the Lord help us as we look to his word together. It's January 1st. Wonderful to be here. Uh, Perhaps some of you were up late last night. And uh, no, we're going to be here worshiping in the house of the Lord this morning. And as a start of a new year, it's a time where we're often reflecting on changes we may want to make in our lives. Maybe changes to our health or exercise routines, to stay in touch with family more, uh, whatever the case may be. But the thing we don't want to forget is what is of utmost importance is not uh, just our growth in health or fitness, but our growth in godliness, our growth in our relationship with the Lord. We're reminded in these verses of what we should be wanting this year, what we should be praying for, hoping for, and pursuing as the people of God. The book of Psalms is so wonderfully instructive for us in the art of, of prayer. It teaches us to pray after times of sin, like we uh, looked in Psalm 51 today, or prayer in times of suffering, like we see in Psalm 22, prayer in joyful times, like Psalm 100. But there's also Psalms, like our text here, giving us instruction in prayer in times where we are seeking spiritual growth and direction. That's something we ought to set our minds to this year. How can I be growing spiritually? How might God be leading me in my life? How can I have more love for Christ, more hatred of sin? How can I be more diligent in my service, more faithful in prayer? Also, we seek his direction. What paths should I take? What new decisions should I make? What changes should I introduce to my life? I hope your heart, like mine, is hungering for just more of the Lord, to follow him more wholeheartedly. Psalm 25 uh, has been a favorite psalm of mine, and these two verses, verses 4 and 5, are ones that God strongly impressed on my heart when I was about 15 years old, and I'd gotten a new Bible that fall, and just when I was reading it, these ones leapt off the page to me, and these verses have been a prayer of mine uh, for the past couple decades, just considering a prayer for God's leading, a prayer for God's guidance and growth in our own lives. I'd commend these two verses for your memorization, but to use specifically in your prayers, but also as a pattern for us to instruct our hearts, our minds, and our wills as to what we should be wanting this year. If, like me, you end times just reflecting on your life, you sense your own listlessness at times, your own aimlessness, the weakness sometimes of your faith, the dimness of your perception of the beauties of Christ, Uh, the frequency your prayers are half-hearted, the ways you feel like maybe I didn't grow last year as much as I wanted to, well, this is a prayer we return to, saying, Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. We'll look at these petitions uh, together. Take a look at verse 4. The psalmist starts out saying, Show me your ways, Lord. Now, we don't know who the psalmist is in this chapter. We don't know the context in which it was written. And so it's fitting for us to consider these statements together. Show me your ways, O Lord. What are we asking when you ask someone uh, to show you their ways? Now, we use that phrase almost like an aphorism in our day. Ah, show me your ways. And and it works fairly well here, too. When you're saying um, you see someone 
who's doing something you would like to do, you think, man, you've got to show me your ways. And what you're actually asking in that is you're saying, show me your ways because I want to be able to experience and enjoy what you enjoy. So perhaps you see someone who uh, swings the tennis racket admirably, and you know you're a bit of a hack with the racket. You're like, show me your ways, because I want to just be able to swing fluidly, gracefully, hit right to that back corner like you do. Or perhaps it's swinging a golf club. Or perhaps um, you've admired someone's parenting, and you say, I want those sorts of relationships with my children when I'm older. Show me your ways. Show me how do you get to this level of joy and um, ease and fluidity or um, a respectable saint who's just lived a life who say, show me your ways because I want to experience that sort of joy that I see that you have. This is, first of all, a heart request for us asking God to show us his way is a request to share in God's joy. The ways of God are the ways that lead to joy. And as we learn his ways, we're learning the ways of joy. In Proverbs 3, we read of the ways of God's wisdom. In Proverbs 3.13, we read, Happy is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. And in verse 17, For her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. These are the ways of God, the ways of pleasantness and peace. And isn't that what we greatly desire as humans, to have a peaceful composure and poise to our lives, the pleasantness of a daily walk? And this only truly results from knowing God, knowing his ways, walking in his ways. And the problem, the reason we don't often experience this is that we are prone to walk in our own ways, to walk by what we think is best and right. A pastor, Steve Igo at Cedar Church has been preaching through the book of Judges. And <clears throat> pardon me. what is that most often repeated refrain in the book of Judges? But that each one did what was right in his own eyes. In the state of disarray and decay in Judea and Israel at that time, or as we see in our own day, what is the summary statement? Each one did what was right in his own eyes. Not doing what is right in the ways of God. Jesus speaks of these contrasting ways of life in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 13, where he tells us to enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. But narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. This road, the way of man, of following after your own eyes and desires, is a 12-lane highway to destruction. It's easy to get onto. There's many on-ramps. You can go fast. Everyone else is there, but it's the way to destruction. We read in Deuteronomy 30 earlier how God sets before his people the choice of the path of life versus the path of death. And if we want to follow after the ways of God, the first step is the step of repentance. From turning, from saying, God, I am not going to go my own ways. Follow after my own desires, but I'm going to go your way. Uh, you know, if you've ever been using a GPS and you find yourself going uh, the really wrong way, that might say something like, make a U-turn. Total 180 turnaround. That's what repentance is. The word is turning in scripture, to turn around from going after our own ways to determinedly go after the ways of God. For we know that God is the source of life. In his light, 
we see light. And his ways are the ways of pleasantness and peace. No other ways lead to life. And so we want to get to the source. We want to get on to the road. We want to find the source of life, the one whose ways lead to life. And we find that through Jesus Christ, the door who said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the pearl that's worth selling all to receive. It's a, like for many, many years, explorers, they were after the source of the Nile. They knew there was this bounty of water somewhere in the heart of Africa, in a desolate at times land. And they searched because this thing we see leads to something greater. And they searched and searched and eventually an, uh, an explorer came and he found it. And they had the source of the Nile, Lake Victoria. And as we experience good things in life, it points to the fact that there's a source. There's more where it comes from. And the way, the path to the source is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Show me your ways is the positive prayer. And behind every positive prayer here, there is an an implied prayer of confession. We need to pray, God, show me your ways, because in doing so, we're confessing, I don't adequately know your ways. I don't adequately often see them and perceive them. I'm frequently going after my own ways, following my own heart, my own desires. I am leaning on my own understanding. And so God, I turn and say, show me your ways. Show me your ways. Perhaps you feel a lack of vibrancy in your spiritual life, a lack of joy, lack of purpose. You want more. This is a call for our hearts to reach out to God saying, God, I want more of you this year. I want to know you more. I want to be closer. I want to perceive you more clearly. We must cultivate this sort of holy discontent, a holy dissatisfaction with our own ways, with just keeping the status quo of me, myself, and my own life. A holy hunger for more. We need these hearts that are desiring God to reveal himself to us more and more. But more than just a desire in our hearts, we do need a renewing in our minds, as we read in Romans 12. Our minds need to be renewed to know God's ways. And so the psalmist sings, teach me your paths. So not just show me your ways, but more specifically, teach me your paths. Because knowing God's way and sharing in God's joy is not, as we sometimes think, um, like a sort of metaphysical infusion. Right? So perhaps you know someone... Uh, a relative who maybe has to go in for iron infusions, Uh, you're low in your bloodstream, infuse some iron in. That's not how we grow in God's spirit. It's not um, infusions that just come into us, but the joy of following God's ways comes by the path of practical obedience. The way of joy in God is the way of following God's commands, and it's the path of love. Again, Deuteronomy 30, he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. I've heard it described by a theologian before that love, the way of love has three components, allegiance, 
action, and affection. And in offering the path of life here, Moses offers all three. He says this is to choose life. Loving the Lord your God, that is having affections for him, obeying his voice, our actions of obedience, and holding fast to him, our allegiance to God, for he is your life and length of days. Again, Jesus himself makes this connection between our obedience to God and our joy in God. John 15, 10, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus teaches obedience and abiding as the way to joy, the way of love, the way of obedience to Jesus' commands. That's what he said in the Great Commission, that we would be teaching to observe everything he's commanded us, not out of some dull burden, but for joy in God, the joy of following his path and his ways. We need to learn this path. Uh, When I was driving here today, uh, I've never been here before, so I was unfamiliar with the path, so I was using my GPS. So it's telling me to exit, to keep left at the fork, to get onto this highway, and I needed to be attuned to it, to be attentive to it, that I not veer off the path and get stuck or lost. And this is like the initial stages in the Christian life, learning the paths of God through his word, his word he's given us to instruct us. I think in the bulletin it said, uh, we read God's will for our lives, God's guidance and direction for our lives in his word. But it would be unwieldy if every single time we had to make a decision, we had to go try to uh, fumble around the pages, look around the Bible. But what we do over time as Christians is we uh, imbibe and have learned to intuit the ways and paths of God such that we build mental maps that help us navigate quickly around life. So I, I moved to West Michigan from Vancouver, Canada for seminary uh, five years ago. And at first, I was heavily reliant on that GPS because I didn't know the paths from anywhere to anywhere. But now having uh, gone about those routes, having studied the area after five years, I rarely need to pull it out now. I, I learned the paths. And this is the process of Christian maturity, where the paths of God get into your habits. They become natural. You've built mental models all around the ways and will of God. Hebrews 5.14 says that solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It does take, in in a treacherous world, where we're constantly assaulted by the world, the flesh, and the devil, we need our discernment trained by constant practice. Now, we never get to take our foot off the gas and just sit back, but we're constantly seeking to be more directed by God's word and to have the instructions and ways of God move from our mind, where we have to think of it constantly, into our hearts, where it becomes our natural habits of life. Far better than me having to try to think, hmm, how ought I to love my wife right now, is that I just naturally love her. It's the overflow of training. Knowing God's will, it's not easy. It takes practice. It takes testing. It takes wisdom. And the wisdom we're seeking in learning God's paths is navigating the difficult complexities of this world. Having God teach us his paths is having God teach us his wisdom. 
Um, one thing about wisdom that I can think can be helpful to consider is there's an interesting contrast between legalism and wisdom. Now, legalism doesn't like wisdom because legalistic ways seek a black and white answer to every situation. And instead of having to exercise Christian discernment to consider the nuances of particular situations, it's far easier to have pat answers that this preacher says to do this, or this preacher says that's bad, this author says that's bad, or this community says I ought to do this or that. And then I can turn off my wisdom and discernment and just let others tell me the rules. Because then I know if I keep the rules, then I'm holy. But no, it's harder. We have to think and discern and have uh, God's word open, praying for the Spirit's illumination as we navigate the complexities of individual situations, individual hearts, individual environments. We want to learn God's ways of wisdom. We need careful, nuanced thinking in our thoughtful, careful obedience to God. And again, this takes work. It takes being steeped in God's word. Uh, If you like tea, perhaps like I do, uh, Irish breakfast in the morning, peppermint in the evening, uh, you know that you don't just put the tea bag in for five seconds and pull it out. You're not getting any of the flavor. You have to let it steep. And same for us. We don't want just a a glancing, a quick steeping in God's word. No, we need to steep, meditate, and allow God's word to infuse our hearts and minds, to fill our imaginations, to let it do its work in us, to learn God's paths. But more than just saying, God, teach me uh, your path, it's not enough to just know the path. We need the Holy Spirit to illumine the path, to guide us, to be actually the fuel in our tanks that allows us to follow the way of God. And so if we're seeking any substantial heart change, we know it must be by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we must be much in prayer, even as we're seeking to understand God and his ways better. We're following his leading, the leading of the Spirit. And so this prayer in Psalm 25 continues, lead me in your truth. Don't just show me the path, but actually take me and lead me in the truth. Because again, the way is treacherous. As we sing in that hymn, there's many dangers, toils, and snares on the path of the Christian life, aren't there? Various sufferings we face, relational challenges, challenges with our health. There's various sins we face, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, the pride of life. These things are uh, crevasses in the snow for us everywhere. Um, I, out in the West Coast, I loved hiking, and uh, one time me and some friends had a chance to hike uh, a mountain called Mount Baker in Washington. It's, a, it's an active volcano, actually, which is pretty neat. But it's covered in snow, but there's these dangerous crevasses all dotting the surface where you could fall hundreds of feet down and be stuck. And so because we wanted to climb Mount Baker, we had to get a guide. And so we hired Nick and Nick knew the route. He roped us up behind him and he was able to navigate those crevasses on a safe path to teach us how to, how to um, hold ourselves if we were slipping on the snow. And the confidence it brought knowing in a treacherous path that we had a capable guide Guiding us through brought so much peace and comfort to me, also to my mom, uh, who was somewhat worried. But the Holy Spirit is the perfect guide, the perfect leader. And we need to be reliant on him 
as we've looked to God's word, the Holy Spirit to lead, to apply it to our hearts and lives. Because even all the preaching we hear, it's useless without the Holy Spirit illumining it to our hearts, changing our hearts to be able to enact the obedience we desire. So we pray, lead me in your truth. We need our wills fully set on following God, fully devoted to God. And as we seek God to lead us, we also have to put in our effort. Nick didn't pull us by a rope up the mountain. No, he walked and we walked. It's like as Paul says in Colossians 1.29, when he's seeking the spiritual maturity of his people, he says, to this end I also labor, but striving according to his working which works mightily in me. Or again in Philippians 2.12 and 13, where we're told that we work out our faith knowing it's God who's working in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. I love also the words in uh, the song, O Church Arise, where it's prayed in one of the verses, So spirit come, put strength in every side, give grace for every hurdle, that we may run with strength to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. This is the psalmist's prayer. Show me your ways, teach me your paths, Lead me in your truth and teach me. And why does he praise this? Where is this confident prayer coming from? It's from what we read next. He says, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. The psalmist's confidence in this prayer comes from his confidence in the fact that his God is a saving God. It's an argument here from the greater to the lesser. If you are the God of my salvation, the God who has delivered me from the perils of sin in my own heart, perhaps the perils of battles and events in his life, if God has brought salvation, how much more would God not offer his guidance, his leading? If the songwriter can trust that God is the God of his salvation, how much more will he be the God of his leading, the God of his guidance? It'd be almost as if Uh, You have adoptive parents, they adopt a child, and for that child to doubt that the parents would want to train that child to teach and raise them. It's like, no, if they've already sought to adopt them, welcome them into their family, of course they want to raise them up, to teach them, to train them, to bring them into the joys and experiences of life. And so for the Christian, even we have much more confidence even than the psalmist Because we've seen the greatest gift that God would give his son for us. As Romans 8.32 tells us, uh, the one who didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? If God's already given us the greatest gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for our sakes, how much more will he direct our steps, show us his ways, teach us his paths and lead us in his truth? God is not unwilling to work in your life. God is not unwilling to see you changed and conformed to the image of Christ. That's his predestined will for you, to be conformed to the image of his son. God delights to pour out the Holy Spirit on his people, to train and guide with the gift of teaching from ministers of his word, the gift of his word, the encouragement of the saints, that we might run the race and battle that's set before us. God cares for us. He guides us. He protects us. 
And so because this is the heart of God, this is the confidence we can have from God, how would we not then want, as the psalmist says, to wait on him all the day? He says, you're the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. That is to say, all my expectation of good is from you. Uh, He's not waiting for God like you wait in a line to check out. It's waiting on God as a servant waits on a master, which is not just a passive waiting. It's an active waiting. As the servant serves, doing the duties they've been commanded, they are attentively listening for what new instructions their master may be giving, what new needs uh, might they notice and come up with. And that is akin to our waiting on God, that as we are going about in obedience to him, we live attentively to God. What might God's will be for me in this situation? His will for me today. How can I entrust myself to him in prayer and call on his help? On you I wait all the day. All my expectation is from you. That's what we want, to continually wait all the day on God, looking to him for our help requesting his strength, requesting his illumination and guidance. Because again, as we recognize the implicit confession of our text is that, God, I don't adequately know your ways. I don't consistently walk in your paths. I frequently turn aside after my own. I don't adequately walk in your truth, but I fall prey to the lies that tell me sin will feel good, the lies that tell me I should just focus on myself for a while. And so this needs to be the cry of our hearts. God, show me your ways. This needs to be the desire of our minds. God, teach me your paths. And this needs to be the resolution of our wills. God, lead me in your truth. I grew up uh, singing in childhood a song that said, Teach me your holy ways, O Lord, so I can walk in your truth. Teach me your holy ways, O Lord, and make me wholly devoted to you. It is the cry of my heart to follow you. It is the cry of my heart to be close to you. It's the cry of my heart to follow all the days of my life. Is that the cry of your heart for this year? To follow God, to be close to God, to see Christ more clearly, to obey more wholeheartedly, to pray more fervently. Will you internalize this pattern given us in this psalm? Make these words to be your own words coming from your own heart to learn from this psalmist example. Lord, show me your ways in 2023. Teach me your paths in 2023. Lead me in your truth. Teach me. Why? Because you are the God who saves. There is salvation in none other but the Lord our God. I've already put my hope and confidence in you, and I trust you will see me through. I trust you will see me through to the end of the road, that God, you will be our God even unto death. You are my God. We are your people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we once again see our weakness. We sense the slowness of our hearts to be moved by the things of God. The slowness of our minds to be attuned to your ways and paths. Our aimlessness in seeking the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we ask for your help. We ask for your grace. We ask that you would be at work in our lives, that you would give us hearts after you. You would give us minds 
looking, meditating on your words, praying for the Holy Spirit's leading. Lord, we want to grow. We want to be made more like Jesus, our elder brother. We want to be with him. We want to be like him. And we know you desire the same for you love your people. You desire our Christ-likeness even more than we do. And so we pray that you will change us, renew us, encourage us, give us strength for the fight, give us energy for the race of faith. Make us wholly yours for Jesus' sake. Amen. The basis of our confidence uh, is because Jesus died and rose again. These are historic realities. This isn't wishful thinking. This isn't something uh, that someone just had a spiritual sense of the way it ought to be. No, historic realities. We have a grounded faith. So our hopes for this new year aren't just the hopes of um, self-help. It's hopes grounded in the person of work and work of Christ. So let's stand and confess our faith in Christ together using the words in your bulletins. Congregation, what do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Remaining standing, let's uh, pray this hymn together, 598, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, hymn 598. Let's make these words our prayer. Oh,
Amen. We give thanks to God. Um, is this a unison prayer? Yes. Let's uh, read this prayer together, saying, Holy God, we praise you. Let the heavens be joyful and the earth be glad. We bless you for creating the whole world, for your promise to people Israel, and for Jesus Christ in whom your fullness dwells. Born of Mary, he shares our life. Eating with sinners, he welcomes us. Guiding his people, he leads us. Visiting the sick, he heals us. Dying on the cross, he saves us. Risen from the dead, he gives new life. Seated at your right hand, he rules over us. May your Holy Spirit make us one with Christ, and one with each other, and one in the ministry to the world, until Christ comes in final victory, we praise you, eternal God, through Jesus, your word made flesh. In the holy and life-giving spirit, amen. Amen. Let's sing a hymn of consecration, 585. Take my life and let it be, 585.
beautiful refrain for this year. Ever, only, all for thee. All for Jesus. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. Heavenly Father, bless your people with the knowledge of your love, a knowledge of the grace that's found in Christ, and a continued knowledge of the friendship and closeness of the Holy Spirit. All for Jesus' sake. Amen. seated. Good morning. Happy New Year. I just uh, am amazed. I was going through the bulletin, and there is a cycle to how the church does its work, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of involved in a lot of it, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, it's, you know, got the annual meeting coming up. We've got all these things coming uh, uh, forward, um, and there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of activity um, coming up, and so I wanted to kind of highlight a few things, but before I do that, I wanted to thank JC for coming to uh, bringing, uh, coming to our church to bring God's word, and I also thank you for your work with the, um, with the uh, women in crisis pregnancies. I appreciate that very much. That's been near and dear to uh, a number of the members of our congregation here, and so we very much appreciate your work for that. Um, the session has called an annual meeting. Uh, congregational meeting that will be on January 22nd, 1130, immediately following the worship. Uh, and that will be for the purpose of receiving the budget and electing officers. Uh, so that's the, uh, the official notification of the date and time for that. Um, also, uh, be- beginning on January 15th in our adult CE, I'll take a step back. Uh, next Sunday will be our fellowship meal here at the church, so we won't have CE um, and so please plan accordingly for the meal. Uh, but then also uh, the week following, we'll start our new study on the book Gentle and Lowly. There are a couple copies still left on the book table. Uh, for those of you who are looking to get a copy, we just ask if you can to put a donation in to cover the cost of the book. It's not a big deal if you can't. Uh, but if you can, that would be appreciated. Um, and to begin uh, preparing by starting to read through the book. I think it'll be a blessing for many, many of you here at the church. Um, George, anything else that you would want to add to that? No, that's, um, the chapters are, are short, um, but, and so, reading that if you can, I'll uh, probably bundle some of the chapters into the lessons, so just, uh, yeah, start enjoying it if you can. Yep, very good. Um, and, Let's see, what else was I thinking? Oh, um, you'll remember that we had our uh, meeting that we're meeting a few weeks ago uh, about a gathering that we'll have to have a conversation about directions for the church. Um, that will be after the annual meeting and between, not, probably not this week, but looking very soon, the elders will begin reaching out and talking to each of you individually to uh, to. Uh, talk through some of the issues and questions and concerns that, that we had raised in that, um, 
in that uh, earlier meeting. So we'll, we haven't set the date for this congregational discussion, but we'll be doing that shortly. Um, and I think that's it by way of announcements. I'm not seeing anyone raise their hands. So uh, we will dismiss them. Thank you very much.